Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. We are recording this podcast on Friday, February 9th. That means the NBA trade deadline has come and gone. It passed yesterday, and the NBA, the Thunder announced that they had made a move. They have acquired Gordon Hayward from the Charlotte Hornets in exchange for Trey Mann, Davis Bertans, and Vasily Mitzic, and a couple of picks, cash considerations, all in the press release. But this is... Uh, this is new information here for the Thunder and uh, a veteran coming into the roster. Yeah, he'll be the oldest player on the team coming in at age 33, six foot seven, 225 pounds. Uh, Gordon Hayward, definitely a, a household name in terms of a former all-star and a guy that can do a lot of different things on the floor, has basically yeah. been a, a 15, five and five guy, uh, not just this season, but throughout the course of his career. So um, you think about the way that the Thunder plays, Guys that can make decisions on the floor, can shoot it, mm-hmm. can pass it, and can make that next play seems to really fit in with that. And um, so it should be uh, interesting and exciting. We're looking forward to maybe getting a chance to meet yeah. him over the uh, next few days or, or however long it takes for him to kind of get in, get settled, and, and get everything going. Yeah, we're really excited to, to see him in a Thunder uniform, see him on the floor. And of course, as we gather more information, talking to Gordon Hayward and of course, Coach Dagnall, we will of course bring that information to you as well. We do know one thing. He'll be wearing number 30. This is for true. the Thunder. So if you guys want to go ahead and get your jerseys all lined <laughs> up and ordered, you can get that going. Uh, but we love when we get those kind of little uh, tidbits of yeah. information. Of course, we'll share that stuff with you as it comes along. Super, super cool stuff. And we welcome Gordon Hayward to the OKC Thunder and Oklahoma City in general. Yeah. It should be fun to have him in this city and in this building. All right. The last time we podcasted, it's been about a week. Mind you, we are very well rested right now. The Thunder has had a nice three-day break between games. They came from a trip. Their most recent game was in Utah, taking on the Jazz. Before that, though, the Thunder had a double overtime, an incredible, thrilling. I mean, there was just so many different elements to this game. We hadn't got a chance to podcast since this game. So, Gallo, let's let's go back. Let's rewind. Let's roll the tape on this game against the Raptors because there was just so much happening in this game. So, the Thunder was... Stuck in the mud for about two and a half quarters. Yeah. The offense just could not quite gain traction. Uh, Toronto was playing an incredibly aggressive style of defense on Shea Gilgis Alexander in particular, doubling him really high, scrambling. Toronto has, you know, pretty good athletes and great size. And they were kind of playing this trapping with a, with a zone on the backside and, and Scotty Barnes, who's just massive, his arms and his body was everywhere. Yep. And so the Thunder uh, really could not get things going when they were able to get ke- clean catch and sh- shoot looks. They did not go down. And ultimately midway through the third quarter, OKC got down by 23. Mm-hmm. And the um, amazing thing is there's no buckling that happened. And somehow the Thunder just kept sticking with it. And that led to an incredible run there at the end of that uh, third quarter. Yeah, the Thunder went on a, a huge run. I think it was 19 to 2. 19 right? to yeah. 3 or 2, something yeah. like that. And in the third quarter, they finally tied the game, finally took a lead. But of course, I mean, if a game goes into double overtime, Thunder's not like, you know, <laughs> pulling away by 13, 12 points. They were, they had to kind of like stiff arm the Raptor. I mean, because this game was just back and forth, back and forth for the remainder of that, that quarter and a half there. And it it was so in my brain i was just like what what what's going to ha- like what yeah. what's happening right now yeah. <laughs> because we've seen these runs by the thunder so many times right we've seen them come back we've seen them you know put up massive runs to 
overcome massive deficits. And then the Raptors, they just wouldn't go away. No. And this is, uh, fortunately, everything, we'll, we'll tease the end here a little bit. Everything ended up good for yes. the Thunder. They yes. won in double overtime. It was um, a now double-digit comebacks by 10 or more points by the Thunder this season, who has one of the highest marks over the last couple seasons in that mm-hmm. regard in terms of being able to charge back from those deficits. Uh, but I thought that the, this team was really personified by the way that Lou Dort handled yeah. this game. He started the game two for nine, shooting from the field. He kept getting these open looks, and you know they were within the flow of what the Thunder wanted to do to attack this zone and attack that pressure on Shea. Yep. And they weren't going down. They weren't going down. Well, as the game went on, Lou adjusted, but he maintained his confidence. So he continued to take some of those threes, mm-hmm. and eventually they started to go down. He ended up with five makes on the night. But he also adjusted by attacking really wisely into the lane. And he had like three drop-off passes to teammates Mm -hmm. on these great drives and dishes down underneath the the bucket. And I don't know if you noticed, but I mentioned the phrase drive and dish. Well done, Nick Gallo. Wow. (laughs) Which is is the name of my newsletter that you can find on our uh, exclusive Thunder Insider uh, weekly email uh, that goes out every Thursday. You're going to want to subscribe to that. You can go on um, the Thunder's website and find that Thunder Insider email uh, subscription link. And so um, in that that drive and dish, I, I wrote about how Lou really embodied what the Thunder wants to do on, on kind of a mental level mm-hmm. of staying engaged, not giving up, sticking with the program, not deviating from the style of play. And then that style of play being, hey, if the shot's there, take it. If it's not, attack a closeout and make the next play, find cutters, find guys that are relocating. And that's exactly what Lou did. Mm-hmm. And he ended up having uh, just a sensational night um, in terms of his scoring, in terms of the physical impact. Yeah. And of course, he did those things like track down loose balls and knock away uh, loose loose rebounds as well. Well, he was one of five Thunder players that finished with 20 or more points. I mean, and, and the three-point line really pe- played a factor yeah. in this. Lou obviously had five made threes. The Thunder finished with 23 made threes. And if that sounds like a lot, it's because it ties the Thunder record for most threes made in a game. And that just goes to show how, to your point, Nick, the intelligence that the Thunder played with offensively, especially after the first half of that game, where, and this is something they've encountered a lot this season, where teams are just throwing a lot of different looks at them. They are changing up their typical go-to defenses to try to stop this steamroller that is the Thunder offense. And so they've had to really find different ways to navigate these the, the kitchen sink being thrown at them. And the Thunder went up against the Raptors team with all of the length that you mentioned, they were really packing the paint. They were really just uh, forcing the Thunder to not get into the paint, not do their typical like drive into the paint, kick it out behind the three-point line. So OKC had to move the ball a lot around the perimeter just to try to create some of those creases, try to create some of those cracks. And it obviously, the Thunder finished with 40 assists. They finished with 23 made threes. That's an indicator that they were able to just start cracking and unlocking that Raptors defense. And there's one play. There's one play that I want to talk about because I it, I think it's a great little sidebar here, and I asked Coach about it. The sideline out of bounds. Oh play. my gosh, beautiful! I yeah. mean, we and it was like it was like one of his like less razzle dazzle sideline out of bounds <laughs> plays. You know, like he's had some where it's like, oh my gosh, what was that? But yeah. this one was like just just chef's kiss perfectly executed pass from Josh Giddy and then cut and finish by Aaron Wick and screen from Shea Gildas Alexander. Right. I was going to say the pass actually didn't have to be as spectacular because of how spectacular 
the off-ball movement and screening and cutting was by Shea yeah. and Aaron Wiggins. So uh, Josh Giddy, of course, the one that threw this inbounds pass that tied the game and sent it to overtime in what was just a kind of a crazy sequence mm-hmm. at the end of regulation. But there was this little tango action that yep. Shea and Aaron Wiggins engaged in right at the free throw line where Aaron screened, I think Aaron screened Shea's guy. And of course the defense is all geared up for Shea to get the ball in that final second. Yeah. And then Shea turns right around and screens Aaron's guy. Screen the screener. Right. Screen the screener. And then Aaron's back door for an easy wide yeah. open layup. And, and the Thunder has gotten that layup. I mean, at least at a dozen times yeah. over the course of the last two seasons. A wide open layup with, uh, there was how there was like five seconds left, four seconds yep. left in this game. Yep. A wide open layup under the rim when you're taking the ball out on your sideline is insane. That yep. That is a result of incredible play design, incredible passing, and incredible screening and cutting. And like, you don't get that if one of those things is off. And how many times, so 5.8 seconds were left on the clock when, by the way, Josh Giddy made another play that probably saved this game, which was, uh, after a missed shot by yeah. Shea, balls rolling towards out of bounds. RJ Barrett of the Raptors is about to put both of his hands on it. And Josh comes in, he dives on the floor, taps the ball. And Barrett then has to kind of corral it as he's sliding out of bounds. And Barrett's touching the ball while he's out of bounds. If Josh doesn't make that hustle play, yeah. this game is over. Yep. Toronto inbounds the ball. They get fouled. There's not enough time to play the foul game and move the ball down. the floor. I mean, so that play saves the game. Josh's pass saves the game. And... To your point, 5.8 seconds on the shot, on the, uh, sorry, 5.8 seconds left on the clock. How many times do we see a team just get the ball in bounds and somebody hoists a contested 28 footer? Right. And the Thunder is getting a wide open layup at the rim. That's a 95%, you know, shot. Yeah. Whereas most teams are probably getting like a 30%, you know, field goal percentage shot on that play. So uh, this, this brought up a, a burning question in my brain. And so I asked Josh and I asked Mark about this and I asked Josh, I was like, do you get excited like when you get the ball and you're about to go like pass the ball inbounds on the sideline or the baseline? He's like, honestly, yeah, I yeah. do. <laughs> I do. And it's because like uh, the coaches draw up such great plays. And so it's always like we're going to get a good look. Yeah. And I, he has great chemistry with his teammates, too, who know to look for him. So that brought up another burning question in my brain, which was, hey, coach, it having a guy like Josh who is such an elite passer, what does that do for you and how you're able to draw up plays? And I was like, yeah, it really like unlocks the playbook yeah. a little bit because we learned early on that, you know, when most teams are just using sideline out of bounds plays, just get the ball in bounds. We have to incorporate a live cut for Josh yeah. because otherwise we're just leaving opportunity and advantages on the table. And Josh is so adept and so strong at threading the needle, making good, well-timed passes that we if we don't put that live cut in there we might be leaving points on the table yeah and so you'll notice every single time the thunder take the ball out sideline or baseline there is one live cut it might not always be open it isn't always open but there's always an opportunity to score on that pass it reminds me of in football where you know if your team's got like a third and 26 a lot of times teams will just like all right we're gonna run a draw we're gonna just drop a little screen pass we're gonna try to get some yardage yeah to to make the punt you know a a little bit further downfield the thunder does not operate that that way they're like what if we could score a touchdown yeah (laughs) what if we just had one guy like on a nine route one guy on a post and you know one guy maybe we'll have him as an option to dink down and like the thunder is trying to score on that 
on that possession on the third and 26 when most teams are not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just thought that was so fascinating because like it, it could only happen if you have a guy like Josh, if you have cutters like Aaron Wiggins yeah. and you have selfless guys like Shea Gildas Alexander who are willing to use their gravity to yep. make the team better. Yeah. And obviously that sideline out of bounds play, I think is just a microcosm of this team as a whole and how all of those things work together so that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Beautifully, beautifully done. Okay. Now we can go into the double overtime part of this. Yes, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I had to do that yeah. little aside there no, just because I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was awesome. Um, so yeah, game goes into overtime. Overtime's not enough. Nope. The, both teams <laughs> only score, I believe eight points in the first overtime. I, yeah. The first overtime, both teams only score eight points. And then we get into the second overtime and the Thunder's like, all right, I've had enough we're of this. We're putting the foot down. I've yeah. had enough of it. And we're we're yeah. done playing around here. Yeah. They put up 17 points in the second overtime. And it was it was just a lot of different guys playing a factor in this. Chet had some incredible plays that he had a massive block. He had a three. And then Lou had his awesome and one over oh. <laughs> Jakob Pertle, went sliding across the baseline, screaming. It was just, it was, it was such such fun entertainment. That was where I felt like this game really married the Thunder's mental toughness yeah. with its physical toughness, right? Mm-hmm. There was a ton of mental toughness required to come back from down 23, but the physical stuff, the Kenrich tap out of a long rebound, Lou going, I mean, he's Lou's the shortest guy on the floor yeah. at the end of this game. He's going into Jakob Pertl's chest, a big burly center, and he just straight up overpowers him, finishes the and one. And when, you know, that, that was kind of the nail in the coffin and yeah. we had a great uh, opportunity to talk to him in the walk-off interview afterwards. And of course, um, you know, he's being mobbed and surrounded by his teammates. And uh, it was just so clear, like, this is a team that is really putting those two things together. Of yep. course, there is a long way in this season to go and they're going to have these moments where they don't put both of those sides uh, of the equation together. But when you see it come to fruition, it makes for some incredible nights. And I'm so happy that this happened at Paycom Center with the home oh, fans yeah. able to experience it. Oh my gosh, the, yeah. just the atmosphere in the building. You could tell the fans were like, okay, yeah. I'm getting more bang for my buck here. <laughs> this is incredible. 10 more minutes of basketball. More, And the game was an early tip-off, wasn't it? It was like a 6 p.m. tip-off instead of yes, a 7 p.m. Right. tip-off. Sunday night game. Yeah, yeah. And it was hilarious because we got home at the exact same right. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we're was. sitting there in, in post-game media availability. And I was like, wait a second. This is exactly when we would be doing this normally. Chris Fisher made a great point on our game broadcast on Valley Sports Oklahoma that the two overtime periods took 58 minutes of real world time to complete. So yeah, yeah, there's the extra hour. There's the extra hour right Right there. there. (laughs) Well, obviously the Thunder outlasted the Raptors in that game and just an incredible feat of mental and physical toughness. Then they went out to Utah. That game was really tough. Another really gritty game against the Jazz. I mean, every single time these two teams have met this season, it just seems like it's, it's kind of a scrap between these two squads. The Thunder dropped that game, but the beauty of that was that they had three days in between games to just kind of rest, recover, and fill their cup a little bit. Yeah, and something happened after that Utah yeah. game that I think connects back to a point that you were making about the Toronto game. Mm-hmm. And it was a quote from Chet Holmgren um, who noted that, you know, the the Thunder is getting played very differently yeah. by opponents. You talked about this with the way Toronto defended the Thunder and was extremely aggressive with Shea. Mm-hmm. Tor- uh, Utah was did it in a different way. They really sat back in a zone and then they kind of like, it was almost like a box and one yeah. a little bit. They put Chris Dunn mm-hmm. on Shea and then kind of zoned up behind him. And Chris Dunn, very physical, long athlete. There's a reason yeah. why he was drafted fifth in the in the NBA draft uh, a handful of years ago. And uh, 
Chet made the point afterwards, like, you got to take it as a compliment when yeah. teams are throwing different things at you and are doing stuff that they're not used to doing. Exactly. This is not how Utah typically Utah's defends. Utah's not in practice every day going over their, you know, box and one right. junk defense. That's <laughs> right. not something they're working yeah. on regularly. Yeah, and, and Chet said the key for them, and this was the sentence that really stood out to me. I think his capper, the third sentence, is what really got people's attention. But the, the second sentence is what stood out to me. He said, you have to k- keep that same eagerness to attack whatever they're doing on a night-to-night basis. And, and it connects to something that Kenrich told me once, which is like, this team finds it very fun to solve these problems yeah. together. They think it's really like, it's kind of invigorating to like, okay, hey, here's like something that this other team is doing. How do we work together as a, as a you know, as a team, as a five-man unit to like orient ourselves yeah. differently around that? And then the last sentence that Chet said, was like, hey, if you're seeing the same looks every night, that means that you're not winning. You're not winning. Much. Yeah, you're not beating anybody. <laughs> and so I, I think that's where he kind of gets the. If yeah. This is a compliment standpoint. Is like this team right now, the Thunder. They're they've gotten the results on the scoreboard, and that's what's gotten teams' attention. Yeah. And so they're going to continue to see this stuff. And oh, by the way, they're going to continue to see this stuff for the next few years Definitely. as well. And so. Uh, you know, teams are, you made the other point, teams aren't going to just let you beat them. Come on. And so, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and so the reason I bring this up, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, Yeah. in your playing days, do you remember a time where you and your teammates kind of had to like problem solve oh, something yeah. like big like this that yeah. a team was throwing your direction? Yeah. Because uh, uh, in college, we I played at Belmont and we were known as like the three point shooting team. We yeah. were like, had the best three point shooters in the conference. We, they called us Splashville. Like that was just <laughs> like our thing. And so teams, which, you know, typically you had a couple of good shooters on a team, yeah. but like when everyone out there on the floor had the green light, a lot of teams were just throwing just, you know, two, three zones, box yeah. and one full court press. Don't let them get down. And so like, we had to really work on problem solving in real time like this, where it's like, okay, how do we get our point guard the ball where she can, you know, it was a lot of tango screens, a lot of, you know, cutting yeah. and, and moving. And we had an offense where it was just a lot of read and react. It wasn't just like set play call, run this to get this one option. It was like, all right, here's the action. Figure out what you need to do within just play, this action. Play exactly. ball after that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, and a lot of that, it, it grew over time, just like this this team right here. And, you know, my freshman year, we weren't very good at it. And by the yeah. time I got to my senior year, it was, you know, we knew it like the back of our hands and we knew what to expect going into it. And it was, it, it is fun when you figure it out, especially yeah. when you don't know what you're going to get coming into a game. Like a team throws a one, three, one zone at you and you're like, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and it just takes you a minute to calibrate. Yeah. And that's something that this Thunder team, you know, despite losing a very tough, hard-fought game yeah. at Utah, I mean, a lot of teams have dropped games in Utah this yeah. season. You know, it's not—it's nothing to to hang their heads about. Uh, but but it, I think it's a great kind of outlier to the the fact that like, you know, the Thunder in in general has figured these things out over yeah. the course of the season. As time goes on, they're going to have more and more of these things to figure out. Definitely. So thanks for uh, sharing your experiences. No, yeah, there. but I will yeah. say in in college basketball, zone is a lot more prevalent i would say than obviously the nba so it's like we saw zone a lot more often because a lot of teams had zone typically just like and you can hang out in the lane more defensively there's no defensive three seconds exactly exactly kind of just stand there and be big (laughs) just be big and take up as much space but how much fun is that when a coach tells you like 
you, you kind of get into a set and then yeah. you're like, okay, go play basketball. Figure it out. And you hear that sometimes. From yeah. Coaches, and it's you know, a great vote like, of yeah. confidence too. Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. what every player wants whenever right. they're out there. Right. Um, this is just how we're getting started. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. initiate the yeah. action. You yeah. guys are good basketball players. Yeah. I'm trusting you that you will find yeah. the right opportunity out there on the floor. <laughs> nice. And we did. It was great. <laughs> it was a lot of fun when we started knocking down shots, even Splash though. Team. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's just like, you know, I like, have you ever just like gone and played pickup basketball? And yes. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, can confirm. Can confirm. Yeah. You would like go play pickup basketball, and then like suddenly you're like, why are why is this person picking me up so early? Like why 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 are there two people on me right now in pickup basketball? It's because you're really good. It's because Paris. you're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's like, yeah. all right, okay. Yeah, there's no better compliment <laughs> than th- the team like retreating back on defense. And somebody being like, shooter, shooter, shooter. shooter. <laughs> or like yeah. someone just like aggressively denying you the ball yeah. so that you don't get it back. It's yeah. like, all right, all right, I see where I stand here. I'd love to know how that feels someday. Yeah. <laughs> you can come to Michael Cage's yeah. church league That's and right. find yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. All right, all right. We've, um, been, to the, we've been to the church league. We've we been have. To the church and league. it's so yeah. fun. It's good. It's, it's like, good. especially yeah. after, you know, me and my three knee surgeries, yeah. you know, <laughs> in the church league it's a nice change of statue of liberty thing it's like come on but you know what's great about michael he only shoots threes now so it's like he's not like this big you know massive force in the paint he can be if he chooses to be but he a lot of the times i would say like 85 percent is like just choosing to knock down the three-point line for some reason michael ends up down on the block when it's game point Interesting. Yeah, that, yeah. Hmm. In, in the whole lead up, he's behind the three point line. But when it gets down to game point, suddenly he's down there. I wonder why. I wonder <laughs> why that would be the case. <laughs> All right. Um, so, as we mentioned, we're recording this on Friday, February 9th. That means after this podcast, we're going to head out to the airport and yeah. take a flight because we are heading out to Dallas for a quick one game road trip, taking on the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday. That game's going to be at 2 p.m. So just make sure you have that circled. You're not waiting until 7 to turn on Ballet Sports Oklahoma. And then after that game, it's a quick turnaround. Come right back to Paycom Center on Super Bowl Sunday. And we're facing off against the Sacramento Kings. That game is going to be at 2 p.m. Central Time as well. Yeah, the the reason for the 2 p.m. is obviously you want to play on Sunday before the Super Bowl and not interfere with that. And so the day before that, you've got to have at least 24 hours between tip-offs for that back-to-back to to be legal in the NBA. So that's why that Saturday game's on two is at two o'clock as well, which is is great. My kids get to watch the game. I love it. (laughs) I get to get home before halftime and watch Usher perform. That's the only thing I care about. Um, And then the final game before the All-Star break, Tuesday, in Orlando, taking on the Magic. That game's going to be at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, and it's a TNT game, um, so it's not going to be on Valley Sports Oklahoma. I know, I know. Like, yeah. don't, don't send in as many emails, that furious emails. We know. But we'll still be on the ground, though. So check we'll us out on all of your at OKC Thunder social channels and the website and everything. And then after that, it is the all-star break. And as we all know, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren, and our very own Cason Wallace and Keontae Johnson. Keontae Johnson's going to be there too. Keontae Johnson yeah. going to be there for the G League game. They are all going to be representing Oklahoma City in Indianapolis. We are going to be so busy. We are <laughs> going to be, be running so, so all busy. over yeah. Indy. Yeah. But we do this for you. So yes. be sure to come back to the Thunder Basketball Universe podcast during All-Star Weekend, after All-Star Weekend, because we're going to be on the ground. We've got all of the intel, all the insight, everything that you need to know to follow this team through – you know, one of the most fun weekends oh, yeah. in the NBA. There are going to be so many Thunder cameras in, <laughs> in Indianapolis <laughs> a lot just to of keep track cameras. of all of these guys that are there. And it's so fun. I mean, 
Shay, this is kind of a different year than it was yeah. last year for him being an all-star starter. There's kind of a little bit more pomp and circumstance. Yeah. I would imagine, you know, at his some some of his media availabilities, there's going to be more people crowding him than than in years past, you know. Um, and for guys like Chet and Kaysen, I mean, this is sort of a dream deferred for Chet yeah. by a year. And, you know, I think the level of gratitude that he's demonstrated to this point about the experiences that he's gotten to have this year after what happened last year. Right. Um, I think that will again surface. And then Kaysen, um, you know, he's a man of few words, but <laughs> I'm sure that this is going to be really, really special for him um, to be able to experience all of this. And, and J-Dub too, of course. Yeah. He's a man of many more words than Kaysen. Much yeah. more words. Yeah. And he's the veteran of the squad at this <laughs> yeah. point, you know, went to Rising Stars last year, back yeah. again this year, so he can show Chet and Kaysen around. My favorite quote this season was asking Mark about Chet, Kaysen, and Dub yeah. making the Rising Stars game. He was like, yeah, it's great. I'm just glad the distraction is over because I could really tell Kaysen was yeah. just like gunning for <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Kaysen who like plays in the tightest box <laughs> exactly. ever. And does like, but, you know, he's expanding that a little bit more. We didn't uh, we didn't let people know. Uh, Chet and J-Dub are going to be on the same Rising yes. Stars team. Yeah, yeah. They're on che- yeah. team. This is amazing. Team Jalen Rose. Yes. So Jalen Williams is playing with Jalen Rose. I just thought that was great. Yeah, There's just good. too many Jalens. There's a lot of Jalens. Maybe uh, it'll just be Jalen Holmgren for the game just to, <laughs> just you know, even, th- even <laughs> make sure cohesive. Kaysen, I believe, is on uh, t- Pau Gasol's mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, you know, they were all talking about how they wish that they could all be on the I same know. team together. But I guess we'll have to see him uh, go mano a mano. It would be really fun to see Kaysen guarding J-Dub. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That would yeah, be yeah. awesome. That's so, what I was. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be yeah. a fun matchup. You know Pau Gasol is going to be like, go get him. Yeah. Go get Dub. That's you. And what a great showcase for Keontae Johnson also. Yeah. I mean, Mark Dignall talked about that as well, just being a great opportunity for a guy like him to, you know, look, the G League kind of an invisible, you know, space at times. Yeah. Not every team around the league gets to watch every game uh, in the G League. And it's, you know, they're not on national TV every night. Right. You know, so uh, what an opportunity for for Keontae to be able to get out there and play. And great validation that what he's doing, he's doing a good job. He's kept his head down. Kept his head down, doing good work. And just this is this is some nice candy for him, you know, as a reward. Just (laughs) Keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. Mark likes the broccoli and Skittles <laughs> he does. analogies. He does. <laughs> yeah. he does. We've gotten, a, we've gotten a couple sprinkles on yeah. it this year. It's been great. Ooh, sprinkles, nice. I like See that. what I did yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. thanks. <laughs> well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much to our producer, Matt Bishop. And until next time, thunder up and catch you later.